came out with sets of numbers and I plotted them on pieces of paper. Radio waves. Radio waves. She sees radio waves. Radio waves. Astrophys brings the news. Arrays and dishes get different views. Are you confused? Radio waves, radio waves, radio waves, she sees radio waves, she sees radio waves. Welcome to the Astrophys Podcasts. My name is Brendan O'Brien. Today is Wednesday the 17th of June 2020 and in a world that's changing rapidly we are making a change to our podcast format so you'll keep getting two episodes side by side each month. We're splitting our content so one episode each month will be dedicated to a new guest interview in the fields of radio astronomy, optical astronomy, space science or particle physics. Also each month You will get your regular presenter, Dr. Ian Astroblog Musgrave, in a separate episode where who will preview a sky guide for you for the coming month. And he will also take you on an astronomical journey of discovery in Ian's Tangent. And that's what we've got for you in this very episode. We are also starting each episode with a community service announcement. First of all, wash your hands very well and often and isolate as much as possible as we work our way through the coronavirus crisis. Also, climate change is real and accelerating and we need to keep coal in the ground and urgently transition to renewable energy sources. See what you can do to influence your local politicians to develop planet-saving policies. And a big shout out to Rami Mandau at spaceaustralia.com, where all your space news never sleeps. So let's cross over to Adelaide and hear from Ian right now. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Monthly Sky Guide for the Astrophys Podcast. This month's Sky Guide runs from June the 16th to July the 16th. So let's have a quick overview first. Most of the action is in the evening skies in this monthly period, but the morning sky shows some very good views too. In uh, this month, Jupiter comes to opposition, and it's biggest and uh, brightest and closest to Earth, on July the 14th. And Venus in the morning sky traverses the high 80s, that forms the head of the the ball, and four bright planets can be seen in the morning sky. There's also an annular solar eclipse on June the 21st. So let's look at some of the detail of what's coming up in the sky. Let's start with the moon. The new moon is on the 21st, first quarter is on the 28th, the full moon is on July the 5th, and last quarter is on July the 13th. The moon is at apogee on the 13th as well. In other planetary news, Earth is at aphelion, where it's furthest from the Sun, on July the 4th. 
Now, with all the other big picture stuff, on the 21st of June, there's an annular solar eclipse. Uh, this solar eclipse is when the moon is at a far point in its orbit, and so the disk of the moon doesn't quite cover the disk of the sun, and so you get a, a bright ring of fire around the moon at totality. So instead of getting the sun totally blanked out and seeing the delicate structures of the corona, instead you see a bright wedding ring of fire around the dark moon. This requires you, of course, to still use solar filters in order to be able to, to watch the eclipse because you, the sun doesn't go completely dark. Now, the annular eclipse crosses Asia, India, the Arabian Peninsula and Africa. Uh, the maximum of the eclipse is on the 21st of June at 6.40 universal time. So it's best to consult your uh, local conditions to find the best times and best positions to observe the eclipse. And remember, because it's an annular eclipse, you'll need to use uh, safe solar projection techniques or safe solar viewing techniques at all times. Okay, that's a spectacular event for this month. What about the more ordinary dance of the planets? Well, let's start off looking at what's happening in the evening sky. Mercury has been lurking low on the western horizon of about an hour after sunset, and now it's rapidly sinking towards the horizon. On June the 22nd, the thin crescent moon and Mercury are very close together low in the twilight, but you're going to need a clear level horizon without trees, such as a level of desert or an ocean uh, in order to see them uh, properly and you'll probably need a pair of binoculars looking for them about 30 minutes after sunset. Comet C slash 2019 U6 Lemon is rising higher in the evening skies. It's heading towards the brightest star Alpha Hydrae, Alpha Hard, um, which is not particularly spectacular but should be easily easy to spot with um, star charts. And on the 23rd of June, uh, the comet is almost directly on top of Alphard, making it very easy to find. The comet will be at its maximum on the 25th, but it's expected to reach magnitude 6, which is a little bit dimmer than the magnitude 5.5 that had been originally predicted. But still, it's a nice little comet, uh, easily visible in binoculars, and very well worth watching. Now, if we uh, turn our attention to the uh, eastern horizon, we see the pair of Jupiter and Saturn rising into the evening sky. Now, Jupiter, is, as I mentioned before, it comes to opposition on the 14th. In opposition, Jupiter is at its biggest and brightest as seen from Earth. And this is an absolutely excellent opportunity to look at Jupiter in a, in a telescope. And even in small telescopes, the bands of Jupiter can be clearly seen as can it be the dance of its moons. You'll be able to see uh, occultations, moons coming from out from the uh, shadow of Jupiter, moons passing in front of Jupiter's disks. So it's going to be very interesting to watch these dances as they occur. And so almost every night there's going to be something different to see with Jupiter. Jupiter is also a companion, as I said, by Saturn. Saturn is a mere six degrees below Jupiter. Uh, it comes to opposition uh, later in July, but still now is a very excellent time to observe Saturn and its rings. And again, even in the small telescopes, Saturn and its rings uh, are a delight to see. 
Saturn's largest moon, Titan, is not as exciting as the uh, dance of the Galilean moons around Jupiter, but it's still very nice to watch uh, Titan zipping around Saturn. Well, it doesn't actually so much zip, it moves relatively slowly, but you're able to watch uh, Titan uh, moving against the, the background stars next to Saturn, and that will be very interesting to watch as well. So the waxing moon is rising higher in the sky and it will encounter Jupiter on July the 5th, making a line with Saturn. Uh, that will be very nice to observe. And then on the 6th, the uh, line is reversed with the moon near Saturn. So the lineup is Jupiter, Saturn, Moon. Now the morning of the 6th may also be an excellent time to try and spot Jupiter in the daylight. So Jupiter on the morning of the 6th is very close to the moon, although it's low on the horizon by the time the sun rises, and you should be able to, uh, by using the moon as your guide, pick up uh, Jupiter and binoculars very easily, even though the sun has risen. And you might even be able to uh, pick it up with your own aided eye once you know where to look. Now that we're in the morning sky, let's look at the morning sky with some detail. Four bright planets are visible in the morning sky at nautical twilight, 60 minutes before sunrise. Jupiter and Saturn are sinking into the west, Mars is high in the north, and Venus is low to the east. With the Moon joining the lineup on the, uh, the morning of the 6th, you can watch over the next few days as the Moon hops from Jupiter to Saturn, then over to the Moon, and then across to, um, towards Venus. Now, Venus is at the edge of the Hyades, the head of the Taurus the Bull and not far from the bright red star Aldebaran. Indeed, in the first few days of this uh, monthly period, uh, Venus will look like a second eye for Taurus the Bull. But after that, it starts moving up the uh, A-shape of the Hyades and will fall falling back towards Aldebaran uh, for a close encounter later on. So on June the 19th, the thin crescent moon is close to crescent Venus. So this will be rather interesting to watch. You can look at the crescent moon quite easily with your unaided eyes, but you'll need a telescope to see crescent Venus. But the pairing of the crescent Venus and crescent moon should be very nice to look at. Again, as I said, the, once uh, the moon appears in the uh, morning sky between from the 6th, uh, you'll see the moon skipping over the planets towards Mars. And on the morning of the 12th, Mars will be very close to the, um, the Moon, which is almost at last quarter. That should be very good for telescopic observation. But also, uh, at this time, Venus is its closest to the bright red star Aldebaran. So if you're up at, uh, early in the morning, you'll be able to see the sweep of uh, from east to west, Jupiter, Saturn, the Moon and Mars, and then over uh, the east, uh, Aldebaran and Venus close together. And this will make some very good observing. So that's it for this month. There's plenty to observe. And don't forget you've also got the uh, constellations of uh, Scorpius to, and its clusters and uh, Sagittarius in the heart of the galaxy to look at too. Uh, these will be excellent viewing uh, for this month. So have a look up. And you, if you sweep through the tail of the Scorpion and around below the tail with binoculars, you'll be able to see lots of interesting clusters that will be uh, very pleasing to look at while you're 
uh, looking at uh, Jupiter and Saturn. Okay, so have a good night and a good morning's observing, and we'll see you in the next month. Hello, and welcome to the June-July tangent. In our last tangent, we discussed the breakup of exoplanet Polar B. But this month, our tangent is indeed tangential. Transits of Venus, where Venus crosses the disk of the Sun, are very rare. There are on average two transits every one and a quarter centuries. The last was in 2012, and the next will be in 2117. But Venus comes close to the Sun more often than that. In fact, Venus goes through an inferior conjunction, whereas where it is between Earth and the Sun, but obviously not in a direct line, otherwise it'd be a transit. So this occurs every 584 days. Although it doesn't pass in the front of the Sun's disk, it can come very close indeed. And in 2020, it passed just one quarter of a degree north of the Sun's northern limb on June the 4th. Now, for those of you who are just extreme imaging, you might be interested in uh, the fact that several amateurs tried to catch this very close approach to the Sun. But something more fantastic, the ring caused by the Sun lighting up Venus's atmosphere. Now, our constant companion, the Moon, has no atmosphere, and we see the Moon's phases untrammeled by atmospheric fussiness. Venus has a thick atmosphere. And it go, as it goes to a more extreme crescent, instead of going dark like the Moon, the cusps of the crescent creep around the disk of Venus, creating a ring of light as it comes closer and closer to inferior conjunction. Now, catching this is not easy. Venus, of course, is very close to the Sun, and telescopes require shielding from the Sun so they don't overheat and uh, da get damaged, and also close control so the Sun accidentally doesn't enter the telescope and burning up the cameras or the, or the eyes of the observer, for that matter. And, of course, the weather has to cooperate. Amateur astronomer Peter uh, Lawrence was able to capture the full ring on the 2nd of June with Venus just 2.4 degrees from the Sun in England using an infrared image. Astronomer Sharon Ahmad from Kuala Lumpur was not able to get the full ring but got most of it uh, at almost also uh, 2.4 degrees from the Sun. As well, uh, the famous amateur Thierry Legault, famous for his um, International Space Station crossing the Sun images, was able to get uh, decent images, and Sebastian Boltzmann also produced some stunning images. So uh, with uh, Peter Lawrence had the best views where he almost the complete ring uh, of light circling the dark disk of Venus as the sun was bent around Venus by the thick atmosphere. As well as it being a stunning image, one of the interesting features of these images is irregular features in the ring arc possibly due to clouds, or lack thereof. So instead of having a nice smooth ring, you can see um, very consistent dips uh, around the, the ring of, of the Venus. Uh, again, uh, this was seen in several images, so it's unlikely to be an artifact of the imaging system, as suggests we're seeing something interesting in Venus's atmosphere. As well as being beautiful, these uh, images also show that Amateurs cannot produce stunning images of our solar system, but also can find interesting new information about the worlds we share in our solar system. So once again, demonstrating that amateurs have an important role to play in observing our beautiful stars and planets. And that's our tangent for this week. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you next month. Thank you very much. Night night and look up. Thanks, Ian. And in four weeks' time, you'll hear back from Dr. Ian Musgrave and another fantastic astronomical tangent.
And remember, Astrophys is free and unsponsored, and we're very happy to recommend that you can always get the latest and best space news from Rami Mandal at spaceaustralia.com. And another great Astro podcast is The Skyantists with Kirsten Banks and Dr. Ankel Lopez Sanchez. And for observers and astrophotographers, always check out Ian's Astroblogger website. Next month, we interview Dr. Joe Kellingham and his amazing discovery of RPEP. Till then, take care, look after yourself and your loved ones. Stay away.